It's a privilege to walk in another man's shoes, Max, but it's also a responsibility. This is episode 46 of They're All Going to Laugh at Him. I'm Alex Sprague. And I'm Jess Geyer. Uh, Alex, what did we watch today? We watched The Cobbler, one of the least well-known Adam Sandler movies of all time, I want to say. You know, I knew that it existed, Mm -hmm. but that was about it. And I knew that it was like about a cobbler, but you could learn all that from knowing the name. Yeah, I knew very, very little about it, um, if anything. Yeah, I, I came in absolutely fresh and I'm glad for it. Yeah, I think a lot of people had expectations for this movie, and that made the movie a lot worse in a lot of people's minds. Yeah, and we were watching all of Adam Sandler's movies and the Adam Sandler-adjacent movies. That's 60 of them, 60 days in a row, and we're podcasting about it. Why are we doing this, Alex? Who is he? You sure you want to know? The story of his life is not for the faint of heart. If somebody told you it was a happy little tale, if somebody told you he was just your average ordinary guy, not a care in the world, somebody lied. There's an idea of Adam Sandler. Some kind of abstraction, but there is no real him, only an entity. Something illusory. And though he can hide his cold gaze, and you can shake his hand and feel flesh gripping yours, and maybe you can even sense our lifestyles are probably comparable, he simply is not there. Or, does Adam Sandler deserve all the hate? Is that, like, something about Superman? The first half was Spider-Man. Second half, American Psycho. Oh, oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah, they they kind of fit together pretty well. Yeah, Um, yeah. I liked it. So, The Cobbler's a little weird movie. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not a comedy. A lot of people thought it was going to be a comedy. And then I saw a lot of people saying, it really wasn't funny. So, like, it it didn't do its part of the movie contract Mm -hmm. well. And I'm like, well, I don't think it was supposed to be a comedy, but maybe. No, I have a genre. I have a genre for you. Yes. Uh, It is magical realism. Yes. Magical realism is typically a literary movement, but this movie fits the bill 100%. And I think also, even in the Amazon description, it it calls it magical realism. But in my mind, as someone who is a fan of magical realism, I love uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Mm -hmm. That's a hundred years of solitude guy, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. This is very good. Yeah. Um. If there's like three movies it reminds me of all mashed together, it is what's the what's the the man with the eyeballs for hands movie? Uh Pan's Labyrinth. There's a little bit of Pan's Labyrinth in there. There's a big part of uh the movie Unbreakable, and in fact maybe the whole trilogy from M. Night Shyamalan. Um, and then there's a bit of American Psycho in there, or the Kingsman, depending on how you thought of the movie. Which is yeah. a very strange statement, but it really depends on how you took the ending. And the the first two films that you named, Pan's Labyrinth, I think fits within the magical realism genre very well. It really does play up those fantastical elements, but it still has a lot of those. It has the magical realism effect. Plus, it's from you know, it's it's a um, a Latin American writer and director. Is it is he from? Yeah, I guess you could yes. just call the whole thing Latin America instead of just South American. That's fine too. Mm-hmm. Um, and magical realism is so deeply rooted, literarily speaking, in Latin America. Yeah, that's um, where most of the stories I've read are based out of. Yeah, it's it's a movement that pretty much you know a literary movement that started with them. Although you could also make an argument that a lot of Jewish folklore is 
magical realism. Yeah, but, and I'm, I'm actually not very well versed in Jewish folklore other than things like golems, honestly. I think that's the only story I really like have read a bunch and, on. And that would be an example of magical realism, mm-hmm. actually. I am not super well versed either, but from because I've I've taught magical realism in some of my classes like i've like done mini lessons on it so i've done some mm-hmm. like some minor research like high school teacher research this is not professional research of course um and then the second movie that you named um unbreakable uh, that also i would consider a little bit of magical realism yeah um especially if you take that as a full trilogy the the glass trilogy is very magical realism and a lot of M. Night Shyamalan's work is magical realism. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm a bigger uh, fan and apologist of him than a lot of people. I have not ever seen the Avatar movie, though, so don't hit me <laughs> no. with that. I, I, I believe that's really bad. Um, and he, he has some absolutely horrible movies. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I, I'm more willing to take a flawed or a failure of a movie that tried something then I'm willing to take a boring movie every time. Yes. And some people might call this movie the cobbler. They might call it boring, but they're wrong. And some people might say that it's a some people might say that it's a failed movie. And maybe they're right. That's that's certainly a critique you can have, but it tried something cool. I do find this to be like a fundamentally flawed movie just because it uh depending on how that you perceive the ending it is either a cop-out or it is not set up well enough, in my opinion. Um, it, it, they don't do like a, you know, they should have set up a little more in the first act if this, you know, depending on how it goes, basically. We're going to get more into that later, I think. Uh-huh. But uh, I think um, something Aaron Sorkin said, another person people like to hate on, especially now. Um, but the first few seasons of West Wing were great, so shut your mouth. Um, is... Just because you hit a home run doesn't mean you don't have to round the bases. And that basically is you can do two hours of great movie, but if in the last 15 minutes you don't do what you're supposed to do as a movie maker, people are going to remember it as a flawed movie. Um, and yeah. I think this is a flawed movie. I, I'm positive on it. I'd give it like a six or maybe a seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of leaving that last 10 minutes and being like, this was a very interesting thing for me to think about. I think the ending detracted from the story. I am with you on that. Now, if if you haven't seen the movie, I actually recommend that you stop listening right now to avoid spoilers and just watch it. Uh, yeah. And then come back to the podcast, obviously. But <laughs> I, I agree with you that the, the ending left me feeling a little hollow. Yeah, and there's a lot of reasons this could be, but... Oh, let's real quick. Let's get to it. I laughed four times. This isn't a comedy. There's no. a few jokes that work pretty well. This is a one star Sandler movie. Adam Sandler stars in it. Um, it was a more indie thing from uh, Tom McCarthy. That's mm-hmm. that's where that ends. And yeah, you don't really see his his fingerprints on it at all. There's no. nothing inherently Sandler esque. In fact, there are certain things about this movie that I think are not Sandler-esque, like anti-Sandler-esque. Yes, but he did choose to take this script, um, and that that's probably how it got made, basically. Mm-hmm. But it also, you know, put it up to scrutiny because he was in it. 
Yeah. So that's interesting to see. What do I you think, think the role the role was good for him? I, I yes. think yeah, I think that he was great I, for the role. I believe Sandler means something along the lines of shoemaker. It does. It does. It mean it comes it, it means the same thing as shoemaker or cobbler. Yeah. Um so what do you think the critics and what do you think the audience scored it? <sighs> okay, I don't think critics liked it, but I don't think that they probably absolutely hated it. And but because critics are are bad, but it wasn't an Adam Sandler film, I'm gonna say that they gave it like a thirty nine. And audience? And I'm going to say that the audience gave it... I'm going to say that they're mostly positive. I'm going to say that they gave it a 64. Couldn't be more wrong. Audience ah, gave it a 36%. No! <laughs> and the critics gave it a 10%. It's not that bad. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do understand negatively reviewing something because the ending fell flat. But, like, again, a 10% is is uncalled for is it you know a terrible terrible movie worse than the animal this one wasn't a terrible terrible movie no it was a fine movie with a flat ending i liked i like i would call this movie good it is good entertainment yeah um it was fun though i wouldn't watch it again it was fun i think it's it's very much for me the first third's like a six out of ten second third's like an eight or nine out of ten the ending hits like a three out of ten. I really think the ending fell flat. Yeah, I actually I am I am with you on that almost entirely. <laughs> but they they did get to the point, um, and I think it's it was a bit amateurish, um, the pull off. But they they did some trickery at the end there where I'm like this that was a cool scene. I do wish there was a little more pizzazz to it. But whatever. yeah, it also felt kind of rushed at the end. Yeah. Let's uh real quick recap it so we can start talking instead of going, you know, in a roundabout yeah. way. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we start in 1903, where a bunch of people are meeting in a cobbler shop. Uh, they speak Yiddish, so it starts off with Yiddish and subtitles about how they're being thrown out of their businesses. Uh, they're coming to the cobbler for help, but when he says that the person who's behind the trouble isn't a customer of his, they give him a pair of the man's boots. So it starts off very mysterious. Uh, so then he works on the boots with a stitcher machine and his son comes in and he explains how he got the stitcher machine, uh, that his grandpa, the, the kid's grandpa gave shelter to a vagrant and mended his shoes. But in the morning, the vagrant was gone and the stitcher machine was there. Uh, so present day, Max Simpkin played by Adam Sandler works as a cobbler. He's fourth generation owning this shop. He doesn't seem very happy with his job, but, um, his neighbor, Jimmy the Barber, played by Steve Buscemi, talks to him, and, and Max thanks him for the pears he gave him the day before, which I'm including as a detail that's kind of important. Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, later, a woman named Carmen Herrera. Carmen Herrera is played by uh, Melanie Diaz. Uh, she comes in and asks Max, Max to sign a petition for the Lower East Side Neighborhood Committee to prevent gentrification and to stop an old man named Mr. Solomon from being evicted from his apartment. This is where we learn that Max's dad isn't around anymore, though the shop had belonged to him. Uh, Max ends up signing the petition, and Carmen says the neighborhood needs his help and that sh- that it shouldn't be a playground for the rich. So we get this gentrification message, like, straight away. Uh, we also learn that Max's mom has dementia as she asks him to tell his father to bring home some pears. Um, Method Man comes by. And it's very rude. Well, it's not, I mean, it's a character named Ludlow, but whatever. And he's really rude. Um, very snappy. Keeps calling him Shoe Man and asks for a shoe shine. He also gives him a pair of shoes to fix by that night. 
So while Max is giving the shoes new soles, his his stitcher breaks, so he goes down to the basement to use the antique one that we saw in the first scene. Jimmy ends up coming down too and asks what he's doing. Um, and, and Jimmy makes a comment about the old junk in the basement, and Max says something mean about his dad throwing his family away. So we get that there's some kind of tension between Max and his dad. Uh, Method Man doesn't come back that night, so Max is curious, and the shoe size matches his, so he tries on the shoes, and lo and behold, he becomes Method Man. Uh, and this freaks him out, obviously, for good measure. Uh, and when he tries another shoes, nothing happens. And that's when he realizes that it was the stitcher in the basement. So he tries it on a bunch of different shoes, including the shoes from a dead dude that, that a widow dropped by. Um, and he looks dead. He looks like a zombie. Max tries out these new powers by visiting Jimmy in disguise, and he realizes that it works. Uh, so he goes around town with a duffel bag full of uh, shoes, trying on different people's identities, and even stealing shoes from a rich guy so he can drive his car around, and like using Method Man's identity to dine and dash and stuff like that. Uh, there's also a side plot where he's disguised as the guy in a cute couple that he had seen before, uh, but that ends up actually going nowhere. It's just like a weird aside. Um, mm-hmm. And he um, he comes home and he asks his mom if she's ever wanted to be somebody else. And she says no. So he asks, asks if there's anything she would want to do. And it's to have dinner with her husband again. So Max pulls out his dad's shoes and eventually he fixes the soles on those or replaces the soles. And he, he shows up and he, he dances with his mom and has dinner with her. Um, and she's very happy. She dresses up nicely for the first time we see her in this in the movie. Um, and the next morning she dies. Uh, she dies in her sleep. And Max feels really bad. Um, we get a we get a we get a scene where um, they're sitting Shiva, but um, he he talks to Jimmy about this, and uh, he he doesn't have enough money to buy a headstone with. He feels like he failed his mom. Um, and Jimmy says that he'll loan him some money and Max is just mad and asks, like, why would you do that? I've never actually done anything for you. Finally, a method man comes back for his shoes after the period of mourning. And he's even more of a jerk and even insults Max's dead mom. So Max follows him around in different identities and sees that he's like an actually like a really bad guy. And he, get, he ends up getting into his apartment where he learns that Method Man has been beating his girlfriend, which he discovers because he goes into the apartment looking like him and she's like really mad. Uh, and he looks around the house for the watches, but only finds a stash of guns and a taser. But after tasing himself and then getting up to leave, Method Man, the real Method Man, is at the door. So we get a scene where Method Man attacks Method Man lookalike. But luckily before Max is choked to death, he tases the real Method Man. And then he uh, he ties him up and uh, dresses up as the different people um, to kind of make it seem like there's more than just him and ask where the watches are. And he finds the hidden place and he gets them. But then some people come to the door who are there to help Method Man collect some money. So he goes along again as Method Man. And on the way, he ends up saving this guy from being shot because he ratted on them. They call him Rat Prick instead of Patrick. Um, he, he says to let him go. Uh, and then he ends up at the Greenawalt, at Greenawalt's mansion. I think her name is Elaine Greenawalt. And she gives him money to, quote, take out the trash on Grand Street. And he takes the money, but when he goes back to Method Man's apartment, Method Man has untied himself and they get into a fight again, which ends in Max accidentally killing Method Man with a stiletto. He flees, 
the scene. And the next day, he turns himself into the police, uh, and the police go with him to the apartment to investigate. And the apartment is mysteriously and miraculously clean and no sign of a body. So the police think he's, you know, not well. And uh, he goes back to the cobbler shop. Uh, and when he's there, he finds the shoes and the duffel bag and the money are all there. He freaks out again and he goes to return the money to the to Greenwall in disguise, even though Jimmy says like, hey, your dad, you know, had a similar run and like he had bad things happening too. That's why he had to go disappear. And he gets mad about him never telling him that. Um, but when she, when he uh, returns the money, her goons knock him out. Um, and as he's being driven in a car to kill and dump him somewhere, he puts on the dead guy's shoes from before and scares them into getting into an accident after they say that they're going to light an apartment building on fire later on Grand Street. So he covers up the stitcher, but then he realizes that the trash is Grand Street, where Mr. Solomon lives. So uh, he warns Carmen, and they warn Mr. Solomon, but Mr. Solomon doesn't want to budge from his home. So Max comes up with a plan to steal the shoes slash identities of Greenwald's goons and trick her into confessing her crimes. And this works. They even get it on TV with a character that was set up before. And... Uh, then he goes to give the watches to Method Man's ex-girlfriend. And I, I love that he's like, he's in Method Man's shoes. Method Man is dead at this point. He's wearing a scarf wrapped around his neck. So you don't see like the hole where the stiletto got him. <laughs> uh, he looks like very like ashen. Oh, he looks dead uh, as hell. Dude. He looks so dead. Um, <laughs> he, gives, he gives her the watches and then he leaves. But he's put into a car by gunpoint by none other than Patrick, a.k.a. Rat Prick from before but then there's like that doesn't go anywhere because there's a car crash and when he wakes up he wakes up in jimmy's shop and jimmy reveals that he's been his dad all along he takes off the shoes and there he is lo and behold the dad and there's more there's a basement full of shoes um that were created with the stitcher even Derek jeter's shoes <laughs> and a, it's like a secret society of cobbling and there's a bunch of people out here who who like are involved like Barbers and cobblers, but don't trust dry cleaners. The end. So yeah, this was basically, what if they did a better version of Master of Disguise? Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's not exactly that. It is uh, like very similar. Um, that's why it can never be good. It can only ever be like, okay. Um, <laughs> but that that's really all where the connection ends is um, that he looks like people. It it is a weird juxtaposition of movies, and I agree with some criticisms of this movie. Being it, it seems like two or three movies put together. Is it a superhero story? Um, is it a, a Kingsman s story where you learn there's a secret society that's been pushing things, um, and they're the ones who keep everything in line? Or is this American Psycho a story of a man who's depressed, as it showed in the beginning? comes up with a fantasy around him and then none of it really happens. The nice yeah. man next door is actually his father the whole time. He gets to solve crimes and he gets to be with the girl, but really he's sitting there daydreaming at his fucking apartment. Now, if we were to take the the genre of the movie at its face, that it is magical mm -hmm. realism, we do have to accept that what we see on the screen is is the reality of 
the um, of the movie. Like yeah. one of the one of the portions of magical realism is that you have to accept what's going on. Yes, it's a bit of suspension of belief, and I I do think that the ending was foreshadowed. It definitely was. Um, I just wanted to uh, kind of throw it out there. I know some people probably have thought that um, that it is a you know, he's dead at the end. That's why it has such a weird twist at the end of like, there's really a secret society and I've been your father the whole time. Um, the father the whole time was very foreshadowed, but secret society wasn't. And Not that is that, that was a flawed bit of storytelling. There's no reason for it. I think that part of the ending goes against the magical realism genre because one of the, one of the parts uh, of magical realism is that it's a critique of the elite it's a critique of hierarchy. Yes. And the way that the secret society is set up, like he goes into the basement of the barber shop and it's like this pristine room full of nice shoes. And then he goes through a back exit and there's a limo driver and a limo waiting for them. Like that is not. Yeah. For a movie that is critiquing. Capitalism. Yeah. That's, that's, I know we didn't get into it much, but Thoverking theme is a critique on capitalism, how rich people have things easy, um, how rich people will hurt poor people to get their way, et cetera, et cetera. I don't even think it's very interesting to talk about the anti-capitalistic themes of this movie because it, they just say them, right? Yeah, they say it like like pretty much out and out. Yeah, um, they, <laughs> Carmen basically says that. Carmen... Uh, does a good job though of saying like you know communities have to support each other and that type of thing um they do a little bit more saying than showing i think um in that regard but it, it the anti-capitalism does strike true what i had an issue with though is it's not it's not some gangsters um pushing capitalism on people it's capitalism the system is um and it it doesn't ring true for me to say like well these these two gangs are getting together and they're gonna screw over the little guy for money no it's it's the the giant corporations doing that that's where the funding's coming from yeah i i definitely agree with that um and that's that's one of the things that zohan did better yes uh, because it was a corporation entity, and and they used systemic racism uh, and and just like regular old plain old racism to start tension, um, yeah. and it was much more realistic that way. Whereas this one, like I'm sure that there are slumlords out there that are working with like criminal groups. Oh, w- without a know? doubt, that part is true. But they don't. And they re- say they say that they want to build high rise, expensive condos there too but the the thing is though they have a jewish uh mafioso i don't know what if there's i I, is mafia a term that only works for the american mafia or is that like a general term i could not tell you i have no Hmm. idea anyway i'm gonna call stuff like i've heard stuff like russian mafia so might as well i guess just it's a term that we all know so so this woman is heading up the the jewish mafia in new york hiring uh, method man's gang to burn down and kill people burn down a building and kill people and she is going to sell to some asian group that seems to be legitimate i think but i can't actually tell yeah i think it's like they're supposed to be like just asian businessmen yeah yeah um so it's strange the use of never having a 
The only non-ethnic person in this movie is Steve Buscemi, I think, right? <laughs> I think so, like, yeah. So it's a little weird um, that he, I mean, uh, he's actually Dustin Hoffman, who is Jewish in the movie. And that, so I guess technically he's Jewish, but like, it's, it, it's strange because like in New York, the issue isn't <laughs> like, you know, the, these minority groups that that are struggling it is it is the systemic stuff so yeah. that part you know it's one of those things uh where when something happens in a movie and it doesn't strike true to you and you're not 100 percent sure why that happened in this movie for me um no i i 100 get that i i didn't feel that it wasn't as big of a sense of anti-capitalism and uh, as funny as it sounds as like in don't mess with the zohan mm-hmm also because um, Simkin, Max Simkin, at first doesn't want anything to do with it. He's he's more than happy to sell his cobbler shop. He, it, it takes very little convincing. And for much of the movie, he spends it. He doesn't learn a lesson about gentrification. He just wants to save a guy from being killed. Um, yeah. And he spends much of this movie doing selfish acts. Yes, Only. which works for me when it's setting up this idea that he's angry his father abandoned him and his mother. He's angry at this thing. His This shop he owns represents his father and he hates that. Yeah. I I can get that. I, I like that uh, representation of movie of someone being angry at, you know, being abandoned. That makes sense. Um, Why, why would you sell out your shop? When, you know, you could protect people around you. It's because I don't want anything to fucking do with it anymore. That's fine. I get that. But I I, I don't want him to get back with his father at the end. I want no, him me neither. to be willing to, to get past his father and realize, you know, I'm just because I'm doing the same job. I own the same shop. Doesn't mean I am my father. Doesn't mean I have to make the same mistakes as him. And it doesn't mean I have to run out on my surrogate family. Yeah. Man, I'm actually talking myself into like taking a point or two off this movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, the more that we talk about it, the less I do like it. I'm giving it a five now. I did it. I enjoyed the movie while I was watching it. I'm not going to take it away from that. I love yes. the concept of the movie. Mm-hmm. The execution is where it fell flat, and I don't, again, I don't think that's I, that's not Sandler's fault. No, I think there there's script issues. I don't think you make this movie based on the script we were given here. Workout. Because no. here, yeah. here are the three aspects I'm, I'm in trouble with. There's symbolism for angels and a holy something going on with the cobbling machine. I don't know what it's called. Uh, the stitcher. The, it's it's the soul stitcher, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it had it was given to them by like a Jewish folklore of some sort. Um, you pointed out that there is a graffiti of an angel um, on his yeah. shop. It's it's like a ring of fire with many eyes, and I'm I might be wrong about this. I didn't do any other research about it, but I think that's one of the depictions of like a biblical angel. Once you pointed it out to me, I, I was able to recognize that. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, and then my issue though is this: so it did start off with this group of uh, Jewish men like planning on taking down a landlord who was uh-huh. basically evil, yeah. um, and they had stolen his shoes and gave it to him. Okay, you're going to set that back up later. They kind of did in his own way. But what's the angel part? What's the holy part? Are they trying to keep with Jewish, uh, you know, like values in this? Because he doesn't. 
what where's that mix in? It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, there's you're you're right about that. It's just Yeah. There there are just like those little things that make it <laughs> that make it not work in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And I, I think I'm being a little bit uh harder on this movie because I think the concept was super there. Yeah. Um, they had a lot of chance to make it decent and they kind of just couldn't get the plot tightened up which which sucks too bad so i wanted to talk about this aspect of being badass um that carmen mentions multiple times and that's shown vaguely of what that means and i think there's an aspect of this that shows uh that men in this movie have a very strange role Adam Sandler's character is a bit weird with basically having to take care of his mother and then pretending to be his own father while they go on one last date. Like, nothing crude happens. It's just like they dance and it's a nice dinner. But it is a strange situation. Um, They show Method Man beats his girlfriend and is a bad person. Um, They show there's this rich British guy who has cheated on his girlfriend but also is like... I, I don't really know what he's all about. Um, yeah, he, he 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 apparently cheats on his girlfriend with men. I don't like... There's some but, homophobic and transphobic elements well, to this movie that I was like, if If he's cheating, we don't know that. Yeah. The relationship is not defined well enough for me to know that. And, you know, they, they say, like, he was going out with the boys and ignoring her at the end when he showed up in the other person's shoes. Um, but it keeps that unresolved. And then there's... Uh, Carmen, who is helping her neighborhood and refers to herself as a badass and is at the forefront of helping people. Oh, and sorry, and there's also the old man Solomon who won't leave his house and won't do anything um, because it's where he raised his daughter and this is you know who he is and this is he's staying here. But his daughter lives in Chicago and he doesn't see anyone anymore. So that's it's sad. And every guy in this movie is shown as a sad or broken person or at least fundamentally flawed and if you're making a movie in my opinion about walking in other people's shoes Mm -hmm. um which they make no uh qualms about mentioning that that's what it's about a lot (laughs) yeah i mean it's like stated explicitly in the beginning in yiddish but it's it's, there's subtitles right there it's in plain english for you if 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 we take this that it's not only a privilege to walk in another man's shoes it's a responsibility as as Abraham says to his uh, son, why the fuck doesn't he learn anything? Why don't we get to know what makes these people tick? Yeah, and we, why, we don't learn anything, yeah. Why show any of it at this point? You know, I understand voyeurism as like a theme for him. He he uses these shoes irresponsibly and he, he wants to see the insides of people's lives. That's interesting. It's unethical, yes, but it's interesting. Yeah, and he's not even really, like you mentioned, though, he's not really seeing people's lives. He's only living as a different visual identity. He is still himself. He just sounds and looks different. He doesn't, like, go live their life. He does his own thing. Yes, and the other person's still existing. Um, Yes. So he doesn't do anything to blend in. That's shown over and over. Um, And a lot of actors do a really good job of acting like a demure Adam Sandler it's just it, it's missing that that vital thing that makes me think like that's an interesting good idea you know 
Yeah, I also um, was looking up whether or not Tom McCarthy or Paul Sato, who were the writers of the script, were Jewish. And they're not, it doesn't Mm. seem like. So, I mean, I've mentioned before, like, I don't know a lot about Judaism or anything like that. Um, But for the fact that this movie is so centered around, like, the fact that Adam Sandler's character is a Jew... There is, like, it doesn't really connect very well. They even named his parents Sarah and Abraham, which are biblical names. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't go anywhere. I I mean, there's something, you're right. Everything you've been saying is right. Yeah. um, It it just really, it, it is a swing and a miss. It has a lot of stuff, but it doesn't quite fit. Do you think it was all sequel bait? Do you think he was expecting a sequel? And that's what the next movie was, was to figure out those themes. I I don't think so, because none of Tom McCarthy's movies have had a sequel. Yeah, this was like his third movie, though. So I can see like him thinking he's finally about to like, you know, pop off now he has Adam Sandler. Um, it's It's hard to say, though. Maybe. I don't know. They they set it up because of the way that the movie is. It's it's set up very much like a, a superhero. Yeah, it's a it's origin a story. Superhero yeah. origin story. Um, But like Spider-Man has a better theme, you know, responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Like every. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I don't feel like Adam Sandler learned anything in this movie. His character. I don't feel like his character learned anything in this movie. Yeah. Um. Th- this feels from like a bigger picture, more like Adam Sandler helping a talented younger movie maker out. Um. And he had a little bit of a personal connection with the script. You know, walking in other people's shoes, maybe. Um. The the very heavy Jewish aspects of it. Um. Maybe some dysphoria about you know depression stuff like that. Um, which is the screenwriter's uh, apparently a uh, thing, and surrogate families is another thing that he's known for writing about. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe it just didn't connect. Yeah, it's hard to know. Um, but yeah, no, I, like I said, I, I really like the premise. Um, can I, I want to talk a little bit about how I feel like this is very much an Adam Sandler movie, but also at the same time, very much not. Explain. So I feel like it's very much an Adam Sandler movie because it's really hard for me to picture someone other than Adam Sandler in this role. It feels very much like his dramatic roles that he's been doing. And I think he did great in it. Mm-hmm. I he, mean, he's definitely not the issue with the movie. Um, oh, yeah. Let me throw this at you. What about like uh, a Seth Rogen? Do you think Seth Rogen could have done this? No, I don't think so. He's a bit too good. Uh, I, th- I think Stiller? it's too goofy. No, of course not. Has Ben? I've never seen Ben Stiller in a movie where he's sad. You you need someone who looks like they can be a real person. And Adam Sandler looks like he could be a real person. Ben Stiller looks like a cartoon character. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, another way that I think that this movie does feel very much like an Adam Sandler movie is that it has the superhero element to it? Yeah, he's a he's a strong man of sorts. Yeah, and and that is that is so prevalent in these Adam Sandler movies. But there are it's so and that's the thing that like I was like those two things make it feel like an Adam Sandler movie. Not a Happy Madison movie, but an Adam Sandler movie. The thing that makes it feel like not like very much anti Adam Sandler comes with the romances. The two women that he's attracted to are both much younger. And Adam Sandler has been doing a very good job of not having that in his movies. 
There's one movie where he's with a younger woman and that is for the plot and he doesn't end up with her. And it's also a remake. So And also he does a very good job normally of not taking advantage of women. And there yes. is a scene in this where um well I don't go through with it. It seems like if he had the ability to would have taken advantage of women while being in someone else's shoes. Yeah. And that yeah, that felt awkward and weird to me. Mm-hmm. Let me let me throw a final actor at you who I think. Oh, the, the other thing. Sorry. Oh, the one other thing. The one other thing that I think makes us feel like an Adam Sandler movie. Two other things. Is the slightly anti-capitalist message mm-hmm. and also the fact that there is an old woman who has a significant part. A lot of his movies have old women. Yes. He likes grandmas. In, anyway, in that's, both that's... ways. <laughs> um, yeah. Normally, uh, <laughs> he, he I think he probably gets along with, with old ladies in a way most people find... Uh, are awkward around. I know a lot of people are awkward near kind of the elderly. And I think that's something yeah. he doesn't feel. Um, yeah, I feel in like the, he, in the same he way he's not like people. Yeah, yeah. He, he's not weird around kids either. Yeah. Here's my 10 out of 10 film for you. It's this movie, but you just let Shia LaBeouf fucking chew up the scenes. Oh, I would watch the hell out of that. Yeah. Especially like yes. imagine Method Man just doing a like crazy Shia LaBeouf like thing going on. Yeah. He would have like made his own <laughs> shoes for the thing. What one point? Uh, I'm saying this character wears Nikes the whole time instead of nice shoes, and he's a cobbler. Is that oh. just a rejection of uh, being who he is? Yeah, I think so. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I think we're done. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, I I would recommend people watch this movie actually just to like kind of know what we're talking about. Um, a lot of people didn't like it. I, I don't think it was as bad as people were get, making it out to be, but I am convinced that it is slightly worse after talking about it. Yeah, um, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't fit together too well. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, five out of ten, maybe a six it's, out of ten. I think it's a six out of You gave a six out of ten to the last movie we watched. I'm going to give this at least a six out of ten. Yeah, but guess what's up? A ten out of ten coming hot our way. It's Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm slightly less excited after having to watch Pablo Art Mall Cop 1. But this one just has a lot of emotional resonance with me because of my Thanksgiving traditions. People will know uh, this movie due to its uh, name. You know, it's Paul Blart, uh, Get Blart or Die happening. Um, Live Blart or fucking Die um, or Blart Harder. Those are all, all names. All cops are Blart. All cops are Blart. Um, and one sec. Are you trying to find the other? A die good hard? day to Blart hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, and, it's and, a good day to die Blart. <laughs> I uh, Blart hard with a vengeance is also another one. Also, Jarhead three the Blart, a haunted Blart. You can find this podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter. Then you can also find our games at wannabegames.com. Alex, do we have any superhero games? Uh, we do. Random by day, super by night. <laughs> I really uh, thought you were just going to stop there. <laughs> yeah, random by day, super by night. Great, great game. We've talked about it before. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's free on itch and drive through RPG. Um, and it has the best character creation I've ever made for a game. Uh, you helped. I filled out all the tables, though, so it's mine. Uh, <laughs> I filled in quite a few of those tables. Thank you very much. I spent eight hours straight doing it. It was a bad I night. was the one who I pushed for costumes, so that's my baby. That's true. I did the other 12 tables. 
Yeah, it's free. You can you can get it for free. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash wannabe games. But instead, why don't you give your money to bhlegalfund.org. That's a Black, Black Hills Legal Fund. Um, support activists, indigenous activists. Uh, decolonize. Hashtag land back. You can see me tweet about all that kind of stuff at, at Joska. And you can see me tweet out other names for Die Hard with Blartenum at Kitty Crusade. And my superhero origin story was when you took my wife, please. Little little superhero music. <laughs> <laughs>